Welcome to Prop Chat. We are here to talk about property, the ups, the downs, and how you can get started in property investing. And now, here's your host, Dave McGlashan. Hello and welcome to Prop Chat. I'm Dave McGlashan, your host, and I'm sitting here with quite a few people. I've got Dave, I've got Jess, I've got Lawrence again. How's it, guys? Hey, man. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, good. Good. So, Lawrence and I just wanted to sit down with you guys and talk to you about your journey as property investors because you've, you've got your first deal sort of under the belt at the moment, mm. which is exciting. Yeah, super exciting. Um, Sounds good. You just need to close it off. Just close it off and sell it. <laughs> really. So, so, do you want to give me a bit of an idea of like, what is this deal? Let's, let's start here. Let's start. We're sitting here in your beautiful house, in your lounge. So, so what's, what, what was the process here? What did you find? What did you do? So um, we actually weren't originally looking in this area. We sort of stumbled upon this this deal. Um, I came to have a look at it during my lunch break one day, mm. literally walked through the front door and I just knew. I messaged Dave then and there. I was like, this is it, before I'd even seen the place. Um, so quite an old guy that lived here. Um, he kind of needed to get out. The place was in really bad condition. And we managed to sort of come up with a fair price with the agent that she then persuaded him was fair for him and fair for us. And we actually put the offer in and it was signed before Dave had even been here. <laughs> so talk about trust. <laughs> so, so on that, how many properties did you view or analyze before this one? I'd say we viewed probably about five or five or six. No, it was more. No, it might have been a bit more. Um, but we analyzed at least 20 to, mm. get, to get this one, yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, Lawrence saw all our numbers. So. <laughs> and Lawrence was a coach through the journey, yeah, yeah, and he yeah, helped yeah. you with the numbers and all of that. Exactly. So you obviously picked it up. We've you've done a massive refurb. You've changed the layouts, which is looking really good. So talk to me about how did you add value to the property? Um, we pretty much changed everything in this whole place, <laughs> like Real. bar the window yeah. frames. Yeah. Well, it was just in an appalling condition it when we got it. 40s or 50s? Um, yeah. So what, 60 years old? So yeah, I would say uh, probably 60s to, yeah, around 60s, I think. All right. um, which is sort of typical of the area. They all mm. kind of went up at the same time. Um, so we Yeah, really old, old-fashioned um, and like seriously run down. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing we did was open up the kitchen to create a open plan living space, which everybody wants these yeah. days. Um, put in a whole new kitchen, the old one, like nothing was worth saving out of it. Um, and as I was saying earlier, as you walk in the door, it's the first thing you see. It needed to be the biggest wow yeah, factor. Um, one thing we did preserve, there was this parquet flooring underneath all the really mm. gross carpets. Um, so you had to pull it all up, put it back, sand it, seal it. Yeah. And it was sort of to keep the integrity of the old building. Plus, it's made a comeback and everybody loves it and it is yeah. amazing. Um, and then, yeah, we literally did everything from refurbishing the existing bathroom, adding in a whole new bathroom because it was yeah. previously only a one bath, painting, skirtings, lights, electrics. Mm. Everything. <laughs> and that's the thing that sort of adds value. It's, it's getting the kitchen to modern spec, open plan living, uh, the ensuite bathroom for the mains. Is, it's one of those things that sort of helps force appreciation. Yeah. So talk to me about you getting started. What, what did your journey look like? When did you start? How long ago was that? Um, we, we put in the offer in June or July. This, no, no, it was well, in May last the year. The journey kind of started before that. It started with Legacy, um, yeah. which we did. Yeah. What, like a year ago now? 
Yeah. We probably did about a year ago, and then it took us like early uh, 2018, yeah, four or five months to yeah. find this deal. It took us yeah a good five months, I think, to find the deal, and then mm-hmm. to to put the offer in. It took you know then it still took about three months for that offer to go through. Um, for everything to be clear and registered in our name before we could actually start, yeah. you know, tearing walls down and stuff. Hmm. Um, and then it's been a it's been a four five month process up until now to get it the way it is. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. And, and why did you start? Like at the end of the day, everyone sort of sits at these events and we all get very excited and hip hip hooray. And but, but what is your driving force? I think um, we both wanted to do a renovation like this for a really long time now. And I think in finally seeing that there is a way to make money in something that you really want to do, like excited both of us a lot. Um, I think also that from an architect or potential architect's point of view, you know, you're constantly designing awesome buildings for other people Mm. Um, and sort of this this was a way for us to 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 realize that same dream for ourselves, you know, it was, it is a way of, yeah, I don't know, developing a project of our own, making it how we want to do it, um, and being the clients for once, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess on that, that, in, with your direction, obviously, if you're coming from the industry, from a professional perspective, what's your goal? Like, do you want to do your own developments? Do you want to stick in the small residential stuff? What, what sort of excites you about the industry? I think it's a it's a tricky question with our imminent move. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a new ball game trying to figure out how to pretty much start again in Australia. Mm. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I'd love to have the flexibility of being able to do projects like this without having a full time job. Um, I often thought along the way this would be so much easier if I didn't have to work <laughs> eight to five. Yeah. Um, but it's doable. I think. I yeah. think. Yeah. Also. To answer your question, um, personally, I, I like residential. I think it's a nice little niche market. Um, you know, all my experience has been in residential or lodges and, and you know, places where people actually live and, and, and partake, um, you know, sort of engage with the building rather than massive, big-scale residentials, which is, or not residential, sorry, big-scale commercial, um, commercial developments. Um, doesn't really appeal all that much. Yeah. You know, rather, rather a more intimate kind of thing. 100%. So I, th- I think then let's talk about this project a little more. What are your, what, what experiences did you have? Like we spoke a little bit earlier about body corporates and this is, we're in a flat, so body corporates always a mission. How did that sort of play into your renovations here? Yeah, I think it was tough. Um, as Dave mentioned earlier, we didn't really have experience in the sectional title area um, mm. and we had a lot of ongoing battles with the body corporate um, just unfortunately our body corporate were fairly inexperienced themselves Um, and none of them come from a building background so when you're proposing big renovations they kind of used to the menial requests of 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 the you know of the body corporate so the trustees all kind of turned to each other and went you know what do we do Um, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately I think they handled it badly um which, in a way, was to our to our benefit um, and also to our detriment. It, it, it made it, the whole process a lot harder. Um, but we were we always had that the sort of positive ground because we had done everything they asked us to, and yeah. it was their fault for for not actually knowing what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest um, 
thing in that whole situation was that our building doesn't have a procedure to follow if you're going to renovate, which I feel like every single body corporate building should have. If you want to renovate, you need to do X, Y, Z. And that obviously resulted in like huge stuff ups down the line, but also that we had approval from the managing agent who said he had approval from the trustees. So I think my biggest piece of advice, if you're going to do anything with sectional title um, or anything that involves body corporate approval, you need to arrange a sit-down face-to-face meeting with them and literally yeah. get them to sign on the dotted line that they're happy with <laughs> what you're doing. You know, yeah. Also, one of the things is when you make the offer, you have all these grand plans. You know, when, when you actually put in the offer in, before you've spoken to the trustees or anything like that, you've got these plans. And, and what we, well, luckily, we did what we wanted. But, um, you know... In hindsight, we should have actually gone and spoke to trustees before we made the offer because they have limitations and they have rules and, and regulations in place that sometimes don't allow you. You know, you think this deal is going to be perfect and then the regulations, just they just don't approve what you want to do. So, mm. you know, again, it's knowledge is power, yeah. do your but, due diligence. But the subjects and your offer to purchase and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think exactly. as, in, as property investors, it comes down to us a lot of the time to educate the people we're dealing with. Mm. Yeah. Be it the sellers or the body corporates or the agents, we have to educate them. We have to be authorities and we have to know what's going on. So I definitely can sympathize with the idea of having to teach people, like, this is what I'm allowed to do. Yeah, yeah, this, is how, this is how this works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we were lucky that we have our architectural background so we kind of mm. knew what is feasible, what's not. Whereas I think a lot of like average Joe have these grand plans, and you're like, you can't do that. Actually, you cannot put a toilet in the middle of your lounge. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good story because what I wanted to find out is, being that you guys are architects, when does an architect need to be in a renovation? So anything that needs to be passed through council needs to an architect needs to be involved. Um, basically. The definition that I've found is anything that, invo- that, that um, alters more than 20 square meters of a building um, is deemed greater than minor works. So anything that's minor works, you can do without an architect. But anything greater than 20 square meters, so whether it's knocking down a wall or, or that affects then 20 square meters of the building, um, anything like that. What about has painting to go 20 square meters of the building? 20 square meters is fine. Uh, painting, no, painting, painting, painting that's fine. Retiling like is fine. So any kind of aesthetic finishes you're allowed to do. Um, as soon as you're doing structural changes, so you're removing walls, you're changing windows, um, you know, even if you're changing windows from steel to aluminium, that still has to be passed through council. Mm. Yeah, anything external as well. Anything that external, um, and mostly the body corporate will will then um, kind of say that you have to go through these procedures and get everything approved, mm. um, which will, will require an architect. Yeah, and I guess as architects, what do you guys? What's your advice to property investors who want to get into the same market that you've gone into now, where you buy, refurb? hopefully force appreciation and then sell. What's your key advice there? I think um, being in the industry, we were obviously lucky that we knew how to do some things by ourselves and we didn't have to get that extra help because mm. I think a lot of people, they think architect, they just see dollar signs, yeah. which I don't understand why. That's another yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> I've seen a lot of renovated buildings through Property24 and stuff, and you're like, yeah, they've been renovated, but really badly. So unless you're 100% confident in your design flair and aesthetic choices, like get an architect involved, and even if it's just on a consultancy basis. Um, 
Can no. even get interior design. There's also a lot of like, if you don't have the budget for an architect, there's a lot of students that are willing to do the work. They're willing, like, you know, they, there's a lot of students that will just jump at the opportunity of actually doing real work, you know. Yeah. Um, not theoretical stuff. So there's a, there's all, there are ways of getting around paying architect fees. I don't think, I think you want the experience and you want all of that. But if yeah. you just need somebody to pass through council, often you can find an, a, a, a student that will draft it up and an architect that will certify it at a cheaper rate. You know, yeah. it's not the correct way of doing it. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, like, I, I, it's not the right way of doing it. <laughs> but I, I know that it does happen. It does happen. So, yeah. so then let's talk about, because obviously the standard sort of agreement is a client would come to an architectural firm, they would speak to you, you generally do a bit of consultation, high-level feasibility. Um, the firm would generally do that at risk, yeah? Sort of the first hour or so talking. Yeah, so your your first meeting is generally at risk. It's it's not like a lawyer where you pay an <laughs> hourly rate. Yep. And then based on whatever your project entails, so, the yeah. scope of work, yeah, so we'll there is a recommended fee guideline from the South African Council um for okay. architects. Yeah. Um abbreviated to SACAP. Um and yeah. then they have a really good breakdown, actually. It, it explains, you know, exactly who you're employing and what capabilities they have, how much experience they have, and it breaks down the fees according to that, based on the project cost and, mm-hmm. or an hourly Absolutely. rate or whatever. It's, you it's, as an individual can go and check that to confirm that the quote you've received from an architect is reasonable. Yeah, and yeah. then within that, you know, every project is slightly different. So it's a guideline. It's not a, it's not a setting stone that is what they charge. It's a guideline. So if your project is, is a lot simpler, then, you know, maybe maybe the fee should be a little bit less. But if it's more complicated, mm. you know, our work is is increased and we should, you know, there should be some sort of compensation, compensation yeah. for that, yeah. So, so the other side of it is obviously there's, there's projects where an architect is a key sort of member in the power team, right? Getting an architect on board as a partner in that business and work at risk, how, do, how would that work? Obviously, when you go to a big firm, that's not really viable, but if you go to independent architects, they would be a little more flexible at doing a project at risk for a percentage margin, or is that completely out of line? No, no, absolutely. I, I don't see why that's... I don't know of any legal reason why you can do that, and a lot of, a lot of architects would be keen on that. I think it purely depends on the architect. I mean... Um, a lot of architects will do the design on risk, and yeah. then thereafter, from what we call stage two onwards, then yeah. you must start paying your fees. And they do that because they're confident that you're going to approve the design. Um, you also get architects that, I mean, you might think, oh my gosh, this fee is insane. <laughs> and it's probably because they don't like your project, and they say, well, we're going to put a <laughs> massive percentage on this, and if you still sign it off, then we'll do it, even though we don't really want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I understand. I think it's about I think they have personal relationships. It's, it's mm. Don't just try to get that sort of relationship and that sort of agreement off the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know somebody, be referred to somebody's like that kind of relationship. Um, I think is a lot more feasible. And also, you know, if you want somebody to be in your professional team, you have to be open about the whole thing. You can't like, mm-hmm. we want you on, but we're not going to show you the numbers kind of thing. You, no. know, you have to be as transparent as possible, yeah. um, which will just lead to a good professional relationship, I think. The same as with any other professional. So, so I think just, just to wrap up with our last few sort of items, 
tell me about your coaching journey. Where was the value there? Obviously, Lawrence is a phenomenal coach, but <laughs> everyone's Snickers. Good. So tell me about the coaching journey and what did Lawrence help you with? What did he give you? I know we spoke about it on the video a few minutes ago, but it's a, yeah. I think, as I was saying, like one of the biggest things is the reassurance and the confidence behind it. Um, to be able to check the numbers with somebody who's completely unbiased, they can give you like their educated opinion on, on the matter, and it's not an emotional opinion. Um, and then, yeah, like being able to crunch the numbers and look at it from like a mathematical point of view. Okay, yeah. this spreadsheet says this is good to go it's yeah. not like oh maybe oh, if I spend this and then oh, I've forgotten about you need to put lights in the house which is another 20 grand or whatever um, I think you, you, you kind of stealing a bit of their experience in yeah. a way you know you, you riding off their experience it tells you the deal's fine and just to sort of nudge you over that edge there's always that sort of tension before you make a big financial um, investments and you like you know there's always that second guessing and, and the coaching just kind of for us at least made us go you know it's going to be fine everything everything signed you've done your homework just go for it kind of yeah. thing yeah. yeah I think it's that it's a bit of a foot of the butt when you need it exactly and yeah it's exactly. That, big that, push that reassuring sounding board as well that you've got an idea and you, you can bounce it off someone who's impartial and analytical mm. about it and actually knows what they're talking about yeah. themselves you know yeah. like I guess for me as a coach, one of the questions I want to make sure that the listening audience hears is, did Lawrence tell you what to do? Did Lawrence point oh, you in the direction, drag you to Kalani not. and say, yeah, Jess, go view this unit? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Um, no, not at all. I and think Lawrence was good about that. The first meeting he said, he said, okay, let's, let's establish some, some sort of criteria, what I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm doing, what you guys are doing. And it was very much like, I'm not going to hold your hand through the whole thing like by all means I'll be there and support you and look at everything but you're going to have to do the homework yourself and you're going to have to it's, it's your benefit you're going to have to put the time in yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah they're not they're not it's not the golden egg you know I mean it's not the goose that laid the golden egg it's, it's, <laughs> it's they will help you get that golden egg but they're not going to lay it for you <laughs> I do see it as like an invaluable asset though I mean we did question after we did the first legacy course do we really want to spend this amount of money because it's quite overwhelming at first um, and I think in, at the end of the day like especially in the first couple of months we were like super excited about this <laughs> and it's so easy to drop off the bandwagon it is um, so having homework and like knowing oh he's Skyping Lawrence tomorrow we need to make sure this is done (laughs) (laughs) yeah the deadlines helped eh? the deadlines really did help Um, you know when you got somebody saying where's your 10 deals you were supposed to do 10 deals today you know and Mm -hmm. and to go you know you don't want to be that person that goes oh sorry you know I had a rough week yeah you you don't want to waste your time either yeah 100% and you don't want to waste your you know you only have so many so many uh, meetings or whatever, you don't waste yeah. that either. Co- coaches are you know, yeah. you pay for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You mentioned it before, Dave, that part of your motivation was having bought the coach. It was exactly. having put a lot of money forward. You financially committed. You felt like you owed yourself that, that exactly, yeah. expectation to actually go for it. Yeah. yeah. You've invested in it, and you have to make sure that that investment is going to pay off. It's the same as anything, you know. It's... Um, mm. it's the juice has to be worth the squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> and it's up to you to do it, not the coach. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Guys, I, I appreciate the time so much. Your, your, your place is lovely. It's beautiful. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you so much. And then if you have any sort of way that the audience can get in contact with you or chat to you, uh, you can tell them now and I can put the details in the show notes. Okay, cool. We've both got the same domain. It's Jess at homer.coza or dave at homer.coza. Do you want to just spell it for us there quickly, Jess, if you don't mind? Uh, J-E-S-S sugar <laughs> at h-o-m-e-r dot c-o dot c-a and then dave d-a-v-e at homer dot coza thanks so much guys cool. thank you thanks a lot thank you guys thank you for joining us on prop chat brought to you by sa property investors network make sure you visit their website www.sapropertynetwork.com where you will find ebooks webinars newsletters training videos property assessment tools event tickets and much more hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll never miss a show sa property investors network a place where property investors meet connect today expand tomorrow